Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Sports City? Uh, this is Mike here with you on a Thursday evening. Man, the holidays got me all off. I'm uh, waiting on Chandler to join me here. Um, we got a lot of fun things to talk about. Now we've been doing a hot stove show on Thursday nights, and so we're going to cover some things in baseball, and we're going to hit some other things going on in the sporting world since we didn't have other shows with the holidays this week. So we're going to try to give you kind of a wide variety of what's happening in the sporting world today. And moving forward, a uh, big piece right now. Uh, I'll just hit really quickly. Sign, uh, early signing day was yesterday for college football. So you're starting to see seniors commit. And you know, obviously since they started doing that a few years ago, most of the recruiting classes are uh, get done in December now, where it used to be February, sort of national signing day. So a lot of it happens in December. Uh, Chandler, can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. I don't know what oh, happened. I was, I've been in there the entire time, and Blog Talk decided that uh, they wanted to kick me out at the last minute. I, so I think what when, when oh, I went into oh, the wait. host line, I think it it reconnected. I think that's what happened. So yeah, because I was uh, already dialed. Anyway, in. glad. I I got you. Glad to have you alongside, my friend. Uh, happy holidays to you. And. Uh, Guys, don't forget yeah, PHI Apparel. Uh, yeah, thank you. PHIapparel.co. Uh, use the promo code CHEFS at checkout. Gives you 15% off um, of any items there. They, they got all your your Philly uh, clothing needs, whether you want to, you know, Sixers, Phillies, Eagles, all those guys. Um, and I know they got the new Trey Turner jerseys and all that. So, uh you know, phiapparel.co, and then use the code CHEFS at checkout uh, to get that done. And then, so, real quick, uh, Chandler, I was just saying, as I was waiting for you to get here, it's pointing out that uh, early signing day was yesterday, so a lot of these college football teams are starting to fill out their classes. And then also, I mean, obviously tons of action going on in the transfer portal. So uh, stay tuned to see how your favorite team is going to be configured uh, next year. Because who knows, right? Uh, but to me, that's not any of our major stories, Chandler. We got we got a few things going on in, uh, in the baseball world that we didn't talk about yesterday. And then we got some basketball and uh, NFL stuff to talk about today as well. So uh, I figured let's, let's start with this whole Carlos Correa deal, uh, Chandler. Uh, you know, we thought that this uh, deal was done with the – Giants, it's going to be 13 years. Uh, you hear a couple of days ago that uh, the announcement was postponed because they might have hit a snag with a physical, and then all of a sudden while everybody was sleeping Tuesday night going into Wednesday, boom, the news drops, and Carlos Correa is now signed for 12 years with the New York Mets. So, uh, Chandler, take this anywhere you want, and I'll add on after, but what are your thoughts on this whole deal with Carlos Correa? Hey, well, take my headset. 
my dog. I need y'all to listen to a 35-pound dog snore. Let me tell you, see it. Tell me if you can hear this. She stopped snoring as soon as I moved. 35-pound dog snores like a 600-pound fat man. True story. Um, with Correa, I'm telling you, man, you would think it's a grown phone. 35 pounds. Um, first of all, thanks for thanks for being here, man. I know it was hard for you to get here. Um, for those for those who don't know, Mike was being a, a good parent and showing up at his child's Christmas early so that he could spend time with other people that matter to him that are important in his life. So you know, that's just him being a good human being and a good dad. Um, you know what I'm saying? Take pat yourself on the back for that because a whole lot don't. Um, and you know, this is the sports these shows, Christmas stocking stuff, extravaganza. Um, the Korea thing, dude. Yeah. I woke up around like uh, I think it was about five in the morning, four thirty-five, because of course the book sort of bothered me. And you know, first thing I do is I'll grab the phone, just see, you know anything that happened or whatever. And normally it's just something stupid that you can laugh at or somebody tweeted something. I'm like, Coach Fred to the Mets? What the? <laughs> How the? Mm-hmm. What the listen, listen, I don't, Mets fans, you guys don't get to complain until next off season. I don't want to hear nothing about he shouldn't have paid. I don't hear nothing about who you should have got. The man has literally gotten you every single free agent that was available. Then they dug up some that weren't available, okay? Um, I mean, Steve Cohen is signing Whitey Ford. He dug up Babe Ruth. He went and got Jackie. <laughs> I ain't trying to hear from nobody. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He's he digging up the corpses of people. Hey, want to play for Mets? Um this man has spent over $800 million this offseason, all right? Um, the Correa thing, I don't know what – I think San Francisco, I think ownership got cold feet. I'm going to be honest. I think ownership got cold feet and decided that they didn't want to give face their franchise money to a shortstop. Um, I think there was some pushback about moving Brandon Crawford, and it should not have been. You know, because honestly, really, come on, man, Brandon Crawford, the only people who are going to remember Grand, Brandon Crawford played are Giants fans and his family. And all is said and done. Let's, I mean, I, that's not the slightest <laughs> career, but it is what it is, man. Say Brandon, when people start thinking, oh, you see some kind of actor? No, baseball player. What do you play, what do you play for? So, um... And, and Scott Boris being Scott Boris, and and I also believe that maybe there was some back channeling that Steve Cohen. Because remember, at the last, you know, towards the end, Steve Cohen was like, "Man, I wish I'd got in here earlier." And I think Carlos Correa might have been when it, when he went to that physical. Like, oh, you know what, my leg bothers me. You remember about twenty years ago when I broke my leg? It still bothers me sometimes. And they were like, "Oh, really?" They had an excuse. He didn't want to be there. Because he looked at that roster and said, what the hell am I doing? Why am I signing with this team? I'm going to be literally the only good player on the team. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, Steve Cohen, I'm all for it, man. I don't want to hear how Steinbrenner saying nothing. You're the general managing partner of a $10 billion franchise. I'm not trying to hear you talking about, well, you know, you should need me. Shut up and spend some money. I don't want to hear nothing from these other owners. If you can't afford to own a franchise, sell your damn team. 
I'm tired of hearing about a small market. If you can't afford to pay the cost of the business you're running, get out of that business. Period. End of story. Well, so I love the signing the by the Mets. Commit over half a Go ahead. This all season. <laughs> they went I said, in all fairness, the Yankees have committed half a, uh, half a billion dollars in future money in this offseason. Steve so Cohen committed almost. Yeah, but I'm not trying to hear. But Hal Steinbrenner in his comments at the Judge press conference threw some shade at Steve Cohen. I'm not trying to hear from you, Hal oh, Steinbrenner. I didn't, I didn't catch that. I'm not trying to hear from you. Right. Yeah, he threw some shade at Steve Cohen. Well, you know, we shouldn't need to spend that much money, and it's not fair to the game. Man, shut up, you accountant. Shut up. It's crazy to me to hear a Yankee owner talk about something being like spending not being fair to the game. Like that, that's exactly. crazy to me when for years and years and years, it was, it, you know, and it was your family. You feel me? They were, they were spending that kind of money. That's crazy to me. Exactly. Um, but real quick, before we go down a little bit more between the two New York things, to hit this uh, Correa thing just for a second longer, um, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that the decision to sign Correa in the first place was driven by owners. It was driven driven um, by marketing and by owners saying we need a franchise guy. We need a centerpiece. We need a guy to lead this organization. I think that the general manager did not want to commit that kind of money. And I'm wondering if between the time that I can't, you know, once again, this is some speculation on my part, but I'm wondering if um, between the time that this was uh, signed, if the general manager did not kind of try to talk them out of that a little bit more. I saw we got a link today that uh, it was Jeff Passon posted it, and it talked about inside this 24 hours, uh, but I haven't had a chance to click on it yet because I just got to my destination like uh, 10 minutes before coming on air, so uh, 15 minutes before coming on air. So I hadn't got a chance to look at that yet. So uh, I'm not 100% sure of of all that, but this is an interesting move. This uh, for the Mets now you have hey you got a you got a guy you'll be able to move over and play third base. But if for something if something crazy were to happen injury wise, you still have you got two legitimate uh, much better than average defensive shortstops on your roster. Um, this guy's a leader. This guy's a guy people gravitate to. Um, he is – and him and Lindor are close. But this this is a big move for the Mets. I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, you got Berlander to offset DeGrom. You brought Nemo back at a higher contract. And so there was some talk that maybe, you know, the Mets were getting kind of lapped by the Phillies and whatever else. But – this is a uh, big move for the Mets to stay relevant in this uh, division. You wonder what happens with Britt Beatty, who's supposed to be major league ready. Do they hang on to him? Does he become part of a trade package? I don't know what that looks like yet, and I don't know if they do either. I don't, I don't see what you're but trading for. They got their guy, right? Yeah, I don't see what you're trading for. 
Yeah. I mean, this is very similar without the, the thin-skinnedness of Derek Jeter, um, very similar to A-Rod moving the third. Now, A-Rod was far superior right. defensively to Jeter. It wasn't even close. You, the, the, the difference defensively between Correa and Lindor isn't the gap isn't that great. Now, Lindor's a little younger. You could make the argument that his arm, he's probably got a stronger arm, but I would say that Lindor has more range, right? So that's about a wash. Right. So the fact that Correa is willing to move, and he's younger, okay, the fact that he's willing to move speaks volumes, Okay, speaks volumes because, you, uh, again, legitimately, um, you could say, listen, Francisco, um, he's better than you right now. But the piece of that is Correa knows, listen, there's more wear and tear on my body. I want to play a long time. I play third base. I last longer. I get to hit more. I play more games. I get to make more, you know what I'm saying? So I love, again, the Mets infield right now is rock solid. Now, I don't consider Alonzo Gold Glover first base by any stretch of the imagination. But three of the four positions that the Mets have in the infield are legitimate. Two are Gold Glove, one is above average, and one is average to slightly above average, defensively, yeah. I'm saying. And keep you in mind that Eduardo Escobar, make, you can't make Neil man, second base. Mm-hmm. I'll say he's, a, say he's above. He's, he's gotten way better with the culture. That man is putting the work. He is way better than he than he was because they've allowed him to stay at one position, right? So now Eduardo Escobar yeah. is your utility guy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> think Taylor, about that. Take a look at the he's a utility take a, guy. Take a look at the board. We got the we got the villain with us. If you can check out, take a look and bring him up. Um, so maybe two or three number. Uh, yes. That should be him. What's going on, man? is here. What's up, fellas? It's good to hear your voices, man. Yeah, always good to hear you. We were just talking about the uh, Correa move. And and I um, talked about you you shared with us the link about Jeff Passon, and I hadn't had a chance to dig into that very much yet. Yeah, I mean, it was a crazy 48 hours. from going to, I mean, he was in San Francisco um, about to be introduced. They postponed the press conference. Uh, the Giants didn't want to budge. They wanted the, the deal to be rescinded and do less years. He and Scott Boris and, 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 and company went on, went on a mission and the Mets snagged him. Chandler knows like I know, cause he's in, you know, the New York area. Um, Mets fans are, they're over the moon. Um, spending Uncle Steve's money. Um, Cohen came into New York and did what he said he was going to do so far, which was not be afraid to spend money. Coming from the Wilpon era, where this team was hamstrung by the Madoff scandal and what have you, basically becoming a, a small market team in New York, not being able to spend. And now you come to that and you got Uncle Steve's money and um, not afraid to spend it. It's going to be interesting. Chandler brings up a great point about him moving to, to third base. Um, it might prolong his career. Um, you know, this guy has only played, I think, 150 games once in his career. I think he's been in the league about seven, eight years. So um, health is a concern. But, um, you know, if you're the Mets, you didn't have to do this deal, but you did this deal just because. 
you can and it, it I don't know if it ensures anything, but it just puts the puts the league on notice. It definitely puts the league on notice because this team's not scared to spin. We already knew that. Um, you know, they made some moves last year and then you know, you made the move for the door, gave him the big deal a couple of years ago. And then mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I feel like last year they kinda they kinda filled they okay, so they got Starling Marte. But then they kind of filled in around him, right? So they had Canha and uh, Naquin, who they got later on. They had kind of had that platoon action going on. Um, and then they go get Vogel back uh, late in the season to give him another big left-handed hitter in the middle of the order. So they kind of put in – they really improved their offense last year from what it was the previous season. Uh, and then – now you see, now they ponied up and they, they paid Edwin Diaz. Now we'll see if he can put together another year like what he did last year because he was, he was the best reliever in the game this past season. It wasn't even close. Um, mm-hmm. The year before, it left a little bit to be desired. So uh, we will see. But, no, this is a this is a formidable lineup. You know, that to, you just hit on the one concern that I have with Correa, because when he's on the field, he's very good, right? Like, um, he has had, uh, over the course of his career, like you said, only 150 games won. Um, he has had injuries knack him throughout his career, so I will be interested to see if this move to shortstop, I mean, if this move to third base does kind of um, make it easier on his body and allow him to be on the field a little bit more. But I know that, uh, man, this guy, he plays the game the right way. He's got, um, like I said, a leader mentality, and people gravitate towards him. And so I think in him and Lindor are close. And so to, to your point earlier, Chandler, uh, a friend of mine who's a Mets fan and I had this same conversation. It, it's sort of the, like the Jeter A-Rod deal, in the, except for that these guys are close. And so uh, he's probably happy to make the move, you know what I mean, to be able to play next to his buddy. So, um like this is like this is a legit, legit move for them, and I, I, I hope it works out for them. I just don't want them to win. Yeah, and what this what this also does under the Will Ponds, that team, the players knew no matter how good they did, the ownership would not help them. So, and that, that affects that affects you. Now they know. If you know, no matter mm-hmm. how hard you work, your management ain't gonna do what's necessary for you to really be successful. You might think you're giving your all, but you're really not. Now, those guys at that clubhouse know if we need something, we're going to get it. So we're going to lay it all out there. So what you're going to get is their best all the time. And, and again, with Correa, again, Eduardo Escobar is a utility guy. So now you can legitimately sit Correa 40 games a year. And you say, why are you sitting? Well, I got to get Escobar bats. You know what I'm saying? I got to get this guy well, to you line can- up. Or you could rotate so you, him, or you could rotate him through the DH spot too, right? Like, exactly. So you can so, still keep and, his and, and there's no drop off, off the field right. sometimes. Right, and there's no drop off. Well, I mean, yeah. Listen, Eduardo Escobar has a good glove. He he's far better offensively, and he showed it the second half of the season when he started picking it up. So, like I said, I love everything about this, and I'm not even a Mets fan, and I'm excited about this because yeah. we're legitimately going to have two juggernauts in this city for the first time in a long time, because usually it's been the Yankees good, Mets sucked. Mets good, Yankees sucked. 
right? We had like two years where they were both good. Then it diverged again. For the next five years at a minimum, there is a legitimate argument as to which team is the best team in New York City. Hey, and dude, I think an underrated uh, move, too, because... guys, I think an underrated move is the trade to get McCann out of town. Oh, yeah. No, I think, I, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I think you're right. Because you, because you got this young catcher who you're going to go ahead and, uh, and tie your future to so you get the veteran guy out. And it, it, honestly, like, at the time, he was what the Mets thought they needed uh, as far as, like, a bridge. But, like, that bridge has been crossed. This guy showed you late in the season last year when he came up that he could handle it. And so you, you, you did what you had to do. And the interesting thing to me is he goes to a team, though, that has a uh, – he goes to a team, I guess, to be the backup, right? Like, yes. Um, because he's not, he's not going to start ahead of Adley Rutschman. Now, once again, maybe, maybe you do things with Rutschman to where you – you give him some days off where he's not behind the plate where he can play first or DH for you, you still keep his bat in the lineup because he's still that good of a catcher. So, uh, you know, that that's probably part of the thinking there too because I guarantee you that as long as he is healthy that uh, this is a way to at least have a legitimate defensive catcher back there and still keep Adley Rutschman's uh, bat in the lineup. Um, yeah, so, Villain, real quick, it's a good yeah, it's definitely a good move. Villain, real quick, because we've talked very well these last couple of weeks and haven't had you here. And as a, one of our resident Yankees fans, I'd like to hear your thoughts on, I mean, obviously first judge, uh, but then adding Rodon to go with him and, and what your Yankees have done in the offseason so far. Um, I like it. I think judge you had to bring back, I think, um, how – um, said it, it It was a sickening couple of days thinking that, you know, Judge wasn't going to be a Yankee or possibly couldn't be a Yankee. Um, they had to do what they needed to do to bring him here. I heard what Chandler said. I agree with him. Listen, you're the Yankees. Act like it. I've been saying it for a couple of years. Um, you know, and the fact that how kind of, I think, he, you know, in a nice way, went over Cashman's head and called Aaron and said, oh, listen, do you want to be a Yankee or not? What do we need to do to get it done and get the deal done? That's what you needed to do. That's what George would have done. That's how he brought A-Rod uh, a back years ago. That's what he did. You know what I mean? When A-Rod opted out of his contract, I, I think it was like, what, 07, 08, Chandler, I think, and uh, he, he brought him back. You know what I mean? He went over, you know, Hank and, and went over uh, Cashman's head and brought him back. So, listen, you had to bring him back. I think he deserves to be a captain. Uh, I'm happy for him, but I like the fact that they got Tommy Canley back in the fold on a two-year deal. I think he's a good bullpen arm, but Rendon bringing him here, it, it settles the, 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 the rotation. You know, Rendon's probably your two, maybe your three, but that puts Nestor back in the three-four slot. That, put, that pushes everybody back. You got Montas, Frankie Montas, who I think should have a better year. That puts him as a number five starter. I would have him as a number five over anybody. That pushes guys like Schmidt and, and, and Herman as a six, maybe, you know, a swing guy. Maybe you can lengthen the, the, the rotation. Maybe they go into the bullpen. It just gives you more options. So I think the Rendon signing, even though it's six years for a guy that had Tommy John, he's proven the last two years that he can get it done. 
I like the signing. I like what they did. Um, it, it almost pales in comparison what the guy, what the team in Queens is doing, right? But um, listen, it's two smart moves bringing the guy back, um, and don't discount bringing Rizzo back. I mean, he's a leader as right. much as uh, judges. He, he's a he's a solid glove at first base, a left-handed bat that loves Yankee Stadium. I think the Yankees are in on Reynolds. I think that's the move they need to make next. I know Chandler hates the idea of trading him for um, Dominguez. If you can keep those guys, it sounds like they want a pitcher. Hey, we got some arms. Give it to them. This is a corner outfielder that we can put in left field. We don't have to have um, the young kids, Oswald and, and company, in left field. Get it done. Get it done. And, and Brian Reynolds in a pinch. I mean, um, in a pinch could play some center field for you if you had if you needed him to. Absolutely, um, he's a Absolutely. better corner outfielder. Uh, uh, he's a better corner outfielder, but can play some center field. Um, there are several teams that would love to have uh, Brian Reynolds. So uh, it'll be interesting to see with with all these free agents that moved, um, what happens there. So you look at your five starters with the Yankees now. So you got Cole, you got uh, Rodon, you got Cortez, you got Montes, and you, you um, who am I missing? Because you were pushing Montes back to a five. Yeah, so you got Cole, you got so, Sevy, you got um, Rendon, you got Nestor Cortez, and then you oh, got Oh, Severino, that's the guy I was missing. Severino is the guy I was missing. Yeah, okay, I got you. All right, so uh, we 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 hit the uh, Correa signing. We hit that. There are a lot of other things going on in sports, and we we said we were going to try to cover them all, sort of sort of a smorgasbord tonight, um, since we didn't have other shows this week. But before we move off this, anything else that either one of you guys have on uh, baseball? For my seat, no. Um, honestly, I, I I just you know, no. I, I got nothing on my side. I, I I think the Yankees are doing what they need to do. They're not finished. That's what the boss said. Hopefully, they're not finished. The Mets look good. Um, I like what the Cubs are doing too. Quietly, I think they're building a nice little team. Boston is a mess. I I don't. They have no clue. I I mean, I like bringing in Justin Turner, uh, Mikey. But, like, other than that, like, I'm not impressed. They still don't have a, a starting rotation. Uh, they won't have enough arms to get to the back end of the bullpen that they just signed. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing in Boston. Can anybody hear me? No, we got you. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what's going on with my headset. Um, yeah, Brian Reynolds is a bad move. And I'm going to tell you why Brian Reynolds is a bad move. Here's where everybody keeps forgetting. Jason Dominguez is actually ready this year. He's ready now. But because Brian Cashman and his play development suck, they're not going to bring him up. If Jason Dominguez was in any other organization in baseball, he would be starting in left field because you have a legitimate center fielder and it's easier to start him in left and move him to center. Okay? Um, It would be much easier to – 
bring uh, uh, um, Jason Dominguez will be starting for any other team in baseball except the Yankees because the player development sucks. So if you get Brian Reynolds, you are now blocking Jason Dominguez for the next three years. This kid is ready now. So you don't trade for Reynolds. You go sign Conforto for one year, and next year you bring up Dominguez. This kid is a generational talent. Generational. By the middle of his first season, you're going to be comparing him to Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle and guys like that. And I'm on record with that. So if they trade for Brian Reynolds, it is going to be one of the dumbest moves that the Yankees could make. Well, it sounds like they don't have to give up Dominguez to get him. If you if, okay, if they didn't have to give up Dominguez to get him, you could put Reynolds or Dominguez in center field, move off of Hicks. I mean, you wouldn't. Would you no, do no, that? You wouldn't do that Bader. Bader's under contract for a couple of years. Reynolds is under contract okay. for a couple of years. So where, where does Dominguez play? But Bader doesn't have to start. Uh, Chandler, he doesn't have to start. You're not going to have you're not going to have Harrison Bader coming off the bench. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, I mean, does he have to start? Okay. If you trade for Brian Reynolds, mm-hmm. right, I don't know what's going on with this switchboard right now. It says there's no callers. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, I'm here. I know Blog Talk is killing me right now. Um. I'm trying to bring I think Mike. Mike uh, is out. Is, Mike, Mike might be out, but you might have to bring Mike back in. Hold on a second. There he is. Hold on. There we go. My bad. My bad. Yeah, I, I fell off. I moved my phone and I accidentally hit the magic button. Okay. Uh, but Bader is. You Bader's a right? center fielder. Bader's a really good glove in center field. Exactly. So if you yeah, trade absolutely. for Reynolds, you're blocking Dominguez. So what you do is you don't need Reynolds. You just need somebody for one year. You bring Dominguez up. You start him and left to get him used to the majors. When Bader's contract is up, you move Dominguez to center, okay? Oh, and by the way, Esteban Florial has been with the Yankees since he was 16 years old. This is a legitimate 5 to a player. How come they haven't developed him? How is it that you keep yeah, telling him you got to trade for somebody? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I mean, that's the question. Is he not ready or have they not developed him? Because every time he comes they up, he does some good things and then he doesn't, he can't hit when he gets here. No. So, he's I mean, got, is that him or is that the development? He doesn't get enough at bat. They'll play him for one yeah. game and then for the next yeah. three games, he might get one at bat. Everyone says, well, he's striking out. He's seen four at bats in seven games. Right, right, right. Because we've been talking about yeah, Floreal for like three, four years, and what what do we got? <laughs> what have we gotten out of him? We've, well, we've mean, seen him hold up when people it. got hurt. They, they, but if you think about it, that's it, what. It, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, if you think about it, that's what the Braves did. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> no, that's what the Braves did with Michael Harris. They brought him up, they needed his glove in center field. And they're like, we're going to hit you ninth and leave you alone and let you get at bats every day to adjust to the major leagues, and he did fine. And I think that's what you're having to for. Yeah, my bad, Bill. Let me go, bro. No, I mean, I mean, you had Cabrera that you were putting in the outfield that wasn't an outfielder, and he caught fire, yeah. But, I mean, why wasn't Florial in that position? 
You know what exactly. I mean? Why he he should have exactly. been the guy that that was playing, especially with all the injuries that they had. He was up here, but what? How did how did uh, how did they use him? They used him as they, a they, runner. Right. It, 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 right. it was mind-boggling. It made no sense. But we've been hearing about this kid for three years, three, four years. It doesn't make any sense. He's 24 now. He's been with the Yankees since he was 16 years old. You've had eight mm-hmm. years to develop this player, but you don't develop him. But when you bring him up, you don't give him at bats. You give him one game, he strikes out twice, and then you bury him on the bench. See, this is this is where – I, and this is why I will consistently say Brian Cashman is a terrible general manager because it's not about developing some below-average reliever, okay? It's not about mm-hmm. turning Lucas Nicky into a decent reliever. That's, that, that's, that, that's a part of your job, but you know what else is part of a general mm-hmm. manager's job? To develop good players into great players and great players into generational players, okay? And there is a laundry list of talent that Brian Cashman has failed to recognize, has failed to develop. Okay, we can go all the way back to Ted Lilly, Ian Kennedy, who Brian Cashman famously said Ian Kennedy would never be a frontline starter in the major leagues. How'd that yeah, work out for Ian Kennedy once he got away from the Yankees? Okay? Yeah. Jorge Mateo, who they said was a four-way player, okay, is a borderline all-star in Baltimore. And the Yankees spent how many years looking for a shortstop to replace Derek Jeter, but they had given him away to Baltimore? I'm sorry, they'd given him away to Oakland for nothing? Right. But look at at the baby bombers. Outside of Aaron Judge, Chandler, who who had they developed? They failed Gary Sanchez. Austin, um, what's the kid, Austin? Um, I forgot. I forgot his name. Huh? Tyler, yeah, Tyler he was gone. He was gone after a couple of years. The baby bombers never—they never materialized. Outside of Aaron mm-hmm. Judge, who's a generational talent, they hadn't developed anybody. All the arms, Robinson to your Cano. point, that came through this That's system it. failed. Every one of them okay. failed. So, Look so at real quick, Greg sports. Bird. Sorry. Real quick, Sports City. I'm putting out an APB. I need help. I'm surrounded by Yankees fans. And and this Aww. is uh, <laughs> I can get a brain forward calling if you want. Uh, uh, no, this, is, this is uh this is starting to get so but and I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. We got an hour and a lot of other stuff to get to though. So uh let's <laughs> let's move on. Uh get oh. uh Dylan, right, your giants. Uh gotta win this past weekend. What are, what are your thoughts on uh on what's going on with your giants? I mean, listen, it was a when they desperately needed, it should position themselves to get into the playoffs. Um, it was a gutsy performance. Uh, K- Kayvon Thibodeau had a coming out party. Um, he looks phenomenal. Uh, defensive player of the week. Um, you know, listen, I- I'll address the fact that, yeah, there were some bad calls towards the end of the game. Um, not, you know, the, the, um, the legal formation was a terrible call. Um, there should have been a touchdown. Um, you had the um, pass interference that wasn't called, but to the you know what if it, you, you it's always that adage. You if you're looking for refs to bail you out and you're you're at that point, the 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 um the commanders were in control of that game as far as running the football. Um, Brian Robinson, I mean Brian Robinson, he looked phenomenal. They went away from him. They started running the ball up the middle with with um with with Samuel. Like what are we doing? Like, you know, that's not the right. referee's fault. Um, 
you know, they, they started getting task happy with Heineke, who, you know, is, is feast or famine. He hit that one long bomb, but then um, after that, you know, had to fumble. You know, like, listen, the, the commanders had every chance to win that game. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, so I, I, you know, listen, you can, you can cry about the refs all you want, but that, that's not, that's not it. That's not going to win you games. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but listen, from the Giants perspective, um, two very key drives in the second half, um, that 97 yard touchdown drive to, to push the lead to 14 to three was a huge drive. Daniel Jones on the fourth and nine, making a phenomenal throw to keep the drive alive. He looked really good. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, Saquon Barkley took over the game. I wish they had got a touchdown out of that, but they got a field goal out of that drive with, uh, you know, under four minutes to go, you know, reeling off 10-yard runs. Um, you know, so the Giants did what they had to do to win that game. Now they're in position to, you know, possibly get into the playoffs if some things break for them um, going into Minnesota, who Minnesota, I don't like what I'm seeing from them recently in the last month or so. Uh, they're 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 the worst eleven and three team I've ever seen. Um, we'll see what happens. This Minnesota team, uh, for the record, we kind of talked about it, but what a crazy comeback uh, mm. this past weekend. This team is eleven and three, and ten of their eleven wins have been by eight points or less. So ten of their eleven they could wins easily be a three and eleven. Game. They could easily be three and eleven, Michael. You're so right. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, like. I was in a uh, space the other day where uh, somebody had written an article and it said, what Mm -hmm. would each team's records look like if all of their one possession games went the other way? Mm -hmm. And the the Vikings at this point would be one in 13 if every one of their one possession games went the other way. So they're 11 and three. Um, with, With Minnesota, though, listen, Dallas showed you the blueprint mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. And Indianapolis followed the blueprint for a half. And then, mm-hmm. once again, you got a coach that's not really uh, a coach uh, on that sideline. And you got a team that, that couldn't play two halves of football. This team was up mm-hmm. 33 to nothing. Um, and, but they rushed the passer. DeForest Buckner got a couple. I mean, listen, they were they were killing Kirk Cousins in the first half. If you can yeah. put pressure on Minnesota, yeah, you know, it, it's funny though because people had this narrative that the Cowboys' defensive backs locked Justin Jefferson out, put him in prison. No, that's not what happened. Cousins never had time to throw the ball, and I don't care how good a receiver mm-hmm. you are, you got to have a couple seconds to get down the field, and. If your quarterback doesn't have that long to, to let the football go, then what are you going to do, right? So, mm-hmm. um, if you can pressure the passer and you can whip that offensive line at the line of scrimmage, you've got a, a real legitimate shot against Minnesota. This is an eleven and three team, like you said, Barry, that doesn't scare anybody. Yeah, and I think, um, like, so honestly, we, to, to look forward to the next game. Um, you know, I'll, listen, going back to your point, um, three, 33 to nothing, unacceptable. I was sitting here with my, my brother watching the game, and we couldn't believe what we were watching. Like, we thought it was a joke. <laughs> we thought it was a joke that they were coming back in that game. Listen, give Minnesota credit. Their offense came alive. Justin Jefferson's a beast. Uh, Kirk Cousins was really good. But to give up a 33 nothing lead um, is unacceptable. 
But, um, you know, you take that offense, Minnesota, that defense, you know, giving up 40 points to the, to the Cowboys, um, getting embarrassed um, in the first half. You know, some of it was turnovers, but getting embarrassed by Indianapolis. Um, you know, losing, you know, the, the, the Lions, who nobody wants to face in the playoffs right now, um, embarrassed them. Um, the, the, their defense is atrocious. You know, they, they're going to go up against a better, a, a good team, or, or and they're not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to survive. I think the Giants have a really legit ch- chance to win this game because of the, how bad that defense is in Minnesota, Mike. I agree with you. I, I'm interested to see what happens here. Um, just as sort of a side note, I, I mm. put these numbers together on on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, we we talked about fantasy football on this show at times or on our Tuesday Night NFL free-for-all show. First running back off the board in most people's leagues was Jonathan Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first round of the playoffs this past weekend, if you had Jonathan Taylor, you got 2.3 points out of it. Um, oh, yeah. Barry, I, I, I think did. you – Barry, I think you were the I one did. that said this. Uh, well, you had a uh, – somebody – it was at least in one conversation where we were talking about uh, a guy with the third overall pick was like, you know what, I just don't believe any of these running backs. I'm going to take Justin Jefferson. And mm-hmm. so you look at the running backs that were all picked pretty high, first-round picks, and very mm-hmm. few of them even came close to double digits. Justin Jefferson got you 30. So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can understand. Like, it looks pretty good now if that's where you went in yep. the first round because you didn't trust any of the running backs, right? Like, um, So that's our – that was my interesting piece in fantasy football. Uh, Chandler, yeah. football stories that you want to bring up or that anything from this past week or this weekend coming up that jumps out to you? Uh, well, what I was going to talk about was Dallas and Philly. Um, yeah. And the fact that Gardner Minshew, uh, is Gardner Minshew better than Dak Prescott? Which is going to be a legitimate question asked after the Eagles beat Cowboys. Listen, I hope the Cowboys win that game because I hate having to face a team three times in a season and try to beat them three times. I think the last time I remember that happening, at least interdivision, Giants and Redskins in 86 doesn't happen very often, right? Um, I think Gardner and lost him in the playoffs. Right. Um, I could see... Gardner getting the dub. And I don't like what I, I – listen, I know the Cowboys, I know they're in, the defense is a little banged up, right? But, listen, this – you're up, what was it, 27 to 10 on a, mm-hmm. on a team desperately trying to get a win. And all you have to do is, is sink your teeth in and get after the quarterback, and you can't do it. To the Jaguars, that offense is legit. They can score. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's finally getting it. But the Dallas Cowboys should be ashamed of themselves losing that game. I don't care if you're on the road. It, it's almost as bad as the 30, 33-0 loss because you're a better team than that. You're a 10-win team. And you, you listen, the Cowboys are mentally soft. Dak Prescott has played, what, eight games? It has about nine interceptions. Awful. He's not. He's and he's not the reason they're losing. They're losing because their defense couldn't get a stop. 
okay? They're losing right. because right. Kellen Moore wants to throw the ball on third and ten instead of running the ball and ma- making them use Eating their timeout. The if they had used their timeout yeah. there, they don't have time to get a, a, a third down conversion in field goal range with nine seconds left. They're running time off the clock. That's just stupidity. That's Madden stuff right there. That's John Madden football on 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 Sega Genesis. What are we talking about here? That's Kellen Moore yeah. being an idiotic uh, offensive coordinator. Doesn't know what he's doing. And and listen, I'm tired of I'm tired of that coaching staff. I'm tired of Kellen Moore. I'm tired of the head coach. He doesn't know McCarthy. I'm sorry, you're a joke. It's over. Dallas is going to go to the playoffs. They're going to lose again, and and I'm not surprised. The most talented team without any talent. Well, it's interesting to me because this is a game that if you really want to be considered a legit contender, you can't let it get away. Now, on the flip side of that, I do want to say that with the other injuries at quarterback, we talked about on our preview show, before the season started, and early on in the season, we talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars winning a few more games than they did last year and showing progress because they actually have a real coach. And don't look now. Uh, things are still plenty well set up for Tennessee, but they got the Eagles next week. Um, I think uh, they got the Cowboys as well. Uh, I mean, no, that Tennessee doesn't have the Eagles. They've already gotten bludgeoned by them. But they still got the Cowboys. Uh, the Jaguars could still find a way to Jaguars win the AFC South. Jaguars yeah, are taking the AFC South. The Jaguars could still okay. win the AFC South. They're, they're, they're winning that division. They're winning that division because Tannehill's done for the year. They're going with. They've lost four straight. Tennessee has after going uh, seven and three. They don't look good at all. Jack, Jacksonville is coming. They're taking that division. Book it. Yeah, it, it, and Tennessee was in great position to win it um, for most of this year, right? And but mm-hmm. you know Jacksonville is going to walk them down. It looks like uh, in that in that AFC South. I will tell you really quickly, um, as disappointing of a season as this has been for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the one thing that I can at least be happy about is we did beat our rivals twice, and we got those dirty birds. We clipped one wing at the beginning of the season, <laughs> clipped the other one last weekend. We tried to give it away uh, in true Dennis Allen coached fashion. Uh, they they almost coughed it up, uh, and they were lucky to win the first time. So sometimes better lucky than good, but I'll take two wins over the Falcons any year I can get them, however I can get them. So uh, at least that is my one uh, – <laughs> One very dim uh, light, you know, uh, shining light for this season for the New Orleans Saints is that they got the Falcons twice. Uh, so, Eagles-Cowboys, Chandler, you got uh, you got other thoughts on the Eagles-Cowboys coming up? No, because it's time now for us to get into the lane of the National Basketball Association. That's why this is an extravaganza, people. We don't talk about it all tonight. Wait, wait, wait. I got I to give, give a shout-out. Listen, the Lions are coming. They're making the yes. yeah, sure. They're coming. They sure are. That's a, that's a, CT's happy they're coming. That's the team the Giants have to look out for when it comes to the, that playoff spot, though. 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think the Giants and in the in the, in the uh, Lions will get those those wild card spots. I mean, listen, respect to um, respect to Dan Campbell, um, bringing mm-hmm. that team together when they were what one and six, um, and, and turning this thing around. Last seven to even it up. Yeah, absolutely. I I I said he was a good coach. I was surprised they were one and six. That defense was atrocious. It looks like they figured some things out. Uh, their offense, I said, we said it, right? They can score on anybody in this league, anybody. That offense is legit. I think you build around golf. I, I like what I see um, because they got talent around him. I think more talent than he had in L.A. that, that he has at the receiver position uh, and running back position, a great offensive line, too. Um, the Lions are coming. They're legit. They're they, I don't think if like, listen, you don't want to face them. You do not no. want to face that offense in the playoffs. Absolutely not. Now, the, the only, only team I think in the, the first advantage... round that they can't beat. Go, yeah, I'm sorry, Sean. No, the only advantage to if if you can get the Lions in the playoffs in January, um, you want to be in a cold weather city because Jared Goff sometimes struggles handling the ball uh, in cold weather climate. So. Uh, that's that's the one that's the one hurdle that Jared Goff kind of still has to see if he can figure out how to sort of eclipse to take that next step. But that that'd be the only uh, saving grace if if you do have to face the Lions. But that's not a team anybody wants to play in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I they would easily beat the the box, but they're not going to play the box. I think. The 49ers, I don't think they can beat the 49ers because that defense is, is really good. But if they if they have to go to Minnesota, Minnesota's getting their behind kicked. And and that you mm-hmm. can book that. Minnesota is not beating the they're not beating the Lions in the playoff game. I don't care if it's at home. They're not beating them. Yeah. All right, uh real quick, so Chandler. We got about ten minutes left. You mentioned basketball, so I'm gonna let you kick yeah. that off. No, we actually have thirty eight minutes left. Uh oh. Okay. I hope you was an extravagant. I thought I was joking. Yeah, get your <laughs> get your weight up. Get your weight up. <laughs> I don't be playing. I come to talk sports. I don't know what y'all talking to do. So <laughs> the Golden State Warriors dynasty is dead. They're dead. <laughs> They are done. You lost in back-to-back nights to Bing Bong and Brooklyn, okay, by 30 points. And they got run out of building by Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, It's – they look like a team that has literally quit. Um. Now I don't know. I think I think part of it is the residue of the Draymond Green coach because Draymond Green cannot be a leader on that team. No. He can't be a leader on that team now because the first time he wants to really get at somebody, hey, what you gonna do? Hit me? So he's <laughs> second guessing what he's doing. You know he is. Um, I've been in a situation where. When I was I was stationed in Virginia years ago, and I was in the shop one day, and something happened, I got mad, and I threw a chair. I hit somebody in the freaking head. I didn't mean to, but I did. That really impacted how I walked around there for a long time and how people looked at me. Dude, what's wrong with you? Now, he went, went up and hit somebody intentionally. You know, how are you going to lead people like that? You can't. 
So now, now you got the kid Wiseman who you've been jerking around. He's he's second guessing himself left and right. Jordan Poole got that money. Now he thinks he's the second coming of Julius Irvin, Alex English, mm. Pete Maravich, and and Bob Cousy all rolled into one. That team is done. Okay, they need to look at breaking it up. They're done. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, looking, and who would have ever thought, looking at the standings going into this past Sunday, that Golden State was on the outside looking in, not only on the top eight, but even top ten as far as the play-in goes. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Barry, my bad. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And it's a shame because Poole got his money, you know, all these kids, the kids got, like, Wiggins got their, their money, and they're playing like trash. I mean, they're playing like, I got my money, I'm good. I got my chip, I'm good. It's pathetic. I know Steph Curry's out. I know, but Steph Curry don't play defense, <laughs> okay? You know, he ain't the reason you gave 91 points up to Brooklyn without Kyrie Irving, correct? Kyrie didn't play that game. So, In one half. Yeah, so it's 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 a disgrace. Um, listen, they need to they need to grow up. They need to get it together. Um, I don't know what Kerr can do because I mean, it's it's about what pool, right? Pool and these guys. I don't know if there's any synergy with them and Draymond Green at this point. Um, but you got your money and you're not playing like you you deserve it. And if I'm the owner, I'm pissed because. Not only did I pay you your money, and I'm way over the the, the luxury cap. Like I got uh, the the salary cap. I gotta pay a hefty luxury fine for this. For this, I don't have the mm-hmm. exact number, but it's it's well over a half a, a billion dollars to, uh, as a luxury uh, tax mm-hmm. bill. I'm gonna yeah. be I'm gonna yeah. be petty for a second. I'm gonna be petty yeah. for a second because. Uh, Week in and week out, last year and this year, you always give me a chance to speak on them. You always ask me what's up with my team, and and I always have to. Uh, I, I've always had like, listen, I got to, I, anytime we did a basketball show, I had to bring my hot sauce, man, because I knew I was gonna have to eat crow right? because of the way my team was looking, and and they're still not looking great. Don't get me wrong, nope. uh, street clothes nope. is back in street clothes and and all this kind of stuff, but. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Can we say that right now, though, that the Golden State Warriors, because of what they were projected to be, are bigger disappointment than the Los Angeles Lakers? Absolutely. Yes. Because I don't think yes. we expected much from the Lakers because we knew yeah, right. that it was a bad fit. We knew AD wasn't mm-hmm. going to play more than 42 games. We knew that Russell Westbrook didn't belong on that team. Give him, give him props, right, for coming off the bench and trying to make it work. But we didn't expect this from the Lakers. We didn't expect much. But Golden State to be in the shape they're in with that team, Clay Thompson looks like he's finished. Okay, that's yeah. a disgrace. That's awful. That team right now. Draymond Green he is trying to is playing for a contract. He ain't gonna get a. He better go do his podcast somewhere. He ain't. He he's done. He's, nobody's paying that dude money. It's a joke. And Warrior fans, uh, Warrior fans in the clubhouse on Barbershop, cheap fuck, um, and. Everywhere I, I share spaces with people, Warrior fans have been giving me the business since last year, man. Everywhere I turn, I'm like, hey, 
those are living glass houses. You better be careful. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> uh, now it's not just my squad. Right, like <laughs> it's uh, it's looking a little bleak on your side of town now too, right? Like <laughs> it's not all pretty. Yeah, no, I mean the, the Pelicans. I like what the, the the coach is getting better. The team is getting better. I still do not believe in Zion long term. Um, he still weighs too much as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned, he still is too heavy. Um, and and honestly, he who who can he guard? Nobody. He was, oh, he, he's killing people in the paint. Yeah, but he actually ain't guarding. He got to guard people. Um, that team gives up way too many points. And I'm not sure who you call street clothes, but I'm against Brandon Ingram, who is turning into Anthony Davis 2.0. Um, we, <laughs> geez, man. I thought you would have upgraded Anthony Davis, and, and apparently you're not. Um, no, I was calling Anthony Davis uh, because I'm, a, oh, okay. I'm from New Orleans, but I was a Lakers fan before because okay. we didn't have a team in New Orleans when I was a kid. So, but Brandon, uh, <laughs> I mean, I need him to start. I need him to start. You know, not stop missing games, man. Um, he, you know, what I'm saying, yeah. I need him to. He, he got to do something. Bulk up. What, do what you got to do, bro. But I like, I like the direction the Pelicans are moving in. I like the mm-hmm. direction that the Houston moving in. Um, mm-hmm. now. I don't know what the hell is going on in Detroit. There's too much talent on the team for it to be that bad. I've been a Dwayne Casey supporter a long time. Dwayne, it might be time for you to go, bro. It might be time for you to go because that team has too much talent for you to be, for, for it to be this bad. Kate Cunningham has already shut it down for the season. I, yeah, Ivy is yeah. the only one left, right? Yeah. No, they had surgery. Yeah, but they have a lot of young talent. That team should be better. Than they are, and they're god awful. They don't play defense. Well, real quick, I want to come back before before we go too far down that that avenue. I want I want to go back to the Pelicans just for a second, and I want to say to to me the biggest thing now is they have to learn how to handle success and how to sometimes be mm-hmm. hunted, um, but versus doing the hunting right because uh, they beat Phoenix in back to back games. Uh, looking good, and then um, they come back and hit like a, a four-game losing streak. Now, one of them, Booker, dropped 55 on them. He just had a, a, like one of probably the best games he'll have all year. Uh, but you know, we'll see. But th- you you got to learn how to handle success because uh, you know once you start winning, it's amazing how much attention uh, coaches, support staff, and everything else start paying to you and what you do. And it's amazing how much those game plans tighten up. I mean, people like to say, well, you, you game plan for everybody you play. I, I get that. But, like, uh, over the course of a long season, like, listen, it's certain teams and certain spots on the schedule that get much more uh, they get much more uh, time and energy because these are opponents you really have to worry about. Mm-hmm. There are some, but I like I like what's here. going on down there, though, Mike. I really like what's going no. on in New Orleans. They they finally got a no, good I, team I do down there. I love McCollum. I think he's. I I've never seen breaking up a tandem work for both sides like it's worked for Portland and it's worked for New Orleans. McCollum yeah. is that calming factor in New Orleans and that veteran mm-hmm. leader that they needed for a young team. And Lillard has a tandem now 
that he can work with. They have some talent. They got some young pieces. And you can't – I love the job that, uh, that, that Billups is doing out there coaching. It's, I've not, I, well, you rarely see it. This is what I wanted in Boston with Tatum and Brown before Tatum and Brown figured it out by separating those two. But now those two are together and they figured it out. That's what I. That's what you you wanted to happen there. It happened in Portland, and both these teams are thriving for it. But here's yes. why. Here, and here's why. Now the mm-hmm. the Pelicans need to do a few things, and, and still try to bring McCullough off the ball a little bit. But the reason why uh-huh. it's working for both the the reason why it's working for both of these guys though is because in Portland you had a small backcourt with these two guys, exactly. and now yep. now you're able to put size next to each of them, right? So, like, the mm-hmm. Pelicans have the Pelicans have Herb Jones who can play defense. They got the kid uh, uh, the other kid is like the 6'8 kid from Australia who plays really good defense, too. Uh, and I, I would have I had his name and right now I to say it and fell off my tongue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, they have you got sides. And so, that's the problem with Portland was those guys were going to score, but they were going to have trouble covering people on the other end, right? Mm-hmm. And so now that you have some size and some defensive presence to go along with each of these two guys on their respective squads, that's why this works. Uh, because yeah. you, even though that we've got we've grown into positionless basketball, even though we don't have centers or whatever else, listen, shooting guards are are are, are big now. It, it you don't have the occasional six five six six shooting guard anymore, right? Like, uh, it's it's the the exception rather than, than the rule to have two guards, you know, six four or less now. Uh you don't you just don't mm-hmm. see that as much anymore. And so these both these guys needed some size and needed somebody that, that complimented them a little bit. They were fine offensively. But it was on the other end of the court. And that's why you're starting mm-hmm. to see both these teams have success because you have to play defense, and that goes right back to what you were just saying about Detroit. They got talent on this team, but if you're not playing defense, it's hard to win. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. It's they don't, awful. They but, let um, too many easy baskets. Chandler, I watched yeah. them. They just, they just. It's it's not even just effort, but it's assignment. Like, they just, you know what I mean? Like, they walk around lost on defense, and that's yes. that's youth coming in. But, like, it's, oh, God, it's awful to watch because they do have to count. Yeah. I'm going to give yeah, you another disappointing cool. team. I'm going to give you another disappointing team. Uh, people thought they figured it out last year, and we talked about them as a coach. But another team in the Eastern Conference that should be extremely, extremely disappointed with what they've been able to do so far this year is the Chicago Bulls. And now you're starting to hear that Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are having beef, and Zach Levine's having issues with the front office and all this. They just paid him a lot of money. But this was a team that, like, once Lonzo Ball went down last year, uh, you started to see them really struggle. And they just haven't been able to – they haven't been able to right the ship. And this team has woefully underperformed in the Eastern Conference. And this is a team that people are talking about being a playoff team. Real quick, just to see if you guys know this, who has the best home record in basketball right now? Uh, I don't know. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Not surprising. Not surprising. No, no, no. Before I jump into uh, Cleveland – 
This is why when everybody was screaming about Zach Levine and he should get paid and he's this, and I kept saying Zach Levine is trash in the sense of he is a selfish, <laughs> non-winning player. He is physically yeah. gifted. He is as physically gifted as any player in the league. He's a loser, okay? He's a loser. And you will never win with Zach Levine as the star of your team, and the Bulls are finding that out. Because Zach Levine is only worried about getting his shots up. He ain't trying to play defense. He ain't trying to pass. All he wants is his shots and his shine. And all you hear, but I won the slam dunk contest. No one cares, bruh, okay? No one cares. That was, that was, who cares when it was? The slam dunk contest is trash, and so are you. But Cleveland, man, listen. That trade was so smart. They fleeced Utah. I don't give a damn what nobody said. They fleeced Utah, okay? Because yeah. Donovan is exactly what they needed. They needed to break up those two, not because they couldn't play together. Because Colin Sexton is a very unselfish player, uh, and so yeah. was Darius so Garland. But they were too unselfish with each other, and, 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 and it didn't really fit because they were kind of the same guy. Donovan yeah. and, and – um. Darling, they're not the same guy, okay? They're not the same guy. No, because guy. you got a point so guard that's shooting guard now. Right. Now you have the contrast. You have a guy. Now, I'm not a fan of, of Donovan Mitchell in crunch time when games are close because he tends to start trying to play hero ball. Um, we yeah. saw that in Utah once or times. But I think if you look at that roster, if he gets it in his head that he doesn't have to be the hero, listen, Cleveland's going to be one of the final four in the East. They are, because that team is that the good. Only, the only thing to me that makes Cleveland a little bit suspect is the same thing that we just talked about a minute ago with Portland. Now you've got kind of a small backcourt, and you don't really have mm-hmm. any great defenders in the backcourt. So at, at the end yeah. of the day, um, can a team over the course of a series exploit that defensive weakness? I think they're fine defensively interior, uh, like on the front line. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do worry about them having some uh, a little bit of leaks on the defensive side, like in the backcourt, right? Like, um, and then can that be exploited over a seven-game series or, you know, over a long series? We'll see. But, uh, listen, I, I'm excited for the city of Cleveland, though, for the first time in, uh, you know, almost 30 years, they're actually uh, playing some competitive and quality basketball without LeBron, with, without LeBron James. Like, LeBron James is the only reason why mm-hmm. that team was competitive for so many years. And, and now you've got a squad together, and they're playing good ball. So I'm excited for the city of Cleveland in that sense. This is, this is Mark Price, Brad Doherty, Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. Um this is because they can have that type of run. That team never won anything, but they were always there. You know. Mm-hmm. And that and that's fine because for that franchise, that's good enough for that fan base. It is. Cuz they're young, they got they got uh, they got a front line that that can cover up those that small backcourt at times. They they're mm-hmm. easily a Final Four in the East team. They should get to the second yeah. round. 
depending yeah. on if I, now they don't match up well with Milwaukee, I don't see them beating Boston, but they can give them a six game series that can be be tough on on any of those teams. Yeah. They're a scary team. Yeah. All right, real quick uh, for my part, you guys. Um, uh, much respect to you both. I'm going to ask you guys to finish up the last 20 minutes. Like I said, I just got to my destination, so I'm going to give a couple. I'm going to give my my quick closeout, and I'm going to drop off, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to be with you guys uh, whenever we. Why? Because I wanted to talk next about the Knicks for next week. No, no, no. You talk about the Knicks all you want, man. I just got to my son. Uh, like 10, 10 minutes before we came on air, so uh, it took 24 hours to get here, bro. I got stuck in Dallas last night. It's been a uh, it's been yeah, an interesting uh, last 24 hours. <laughs> no. Uh, but listen, man, real quick, um, check out our blog website, everything we do. I know you guys will have closeouts at the end, but uh, sportscitychefs.com, man. Don't forget phiapparel.co for all your Philly clothing needs. Barbershop or Clubhouse, we continue to grow. they got a room open right now uh, for Thursday Night Football. So pop by Clubhouse and check out that community. And just because uh, I know, Barry, you like when I do this, man, I got to do it one time for you guys before I check out today. Laissez les bon temps roulés, man. But listen, uh, the yeah, last, yeah. last thing I'll say, man, much uh, much respect to both of you guys. And uh, Sirius and uh, TP, once again, I always say this, man, without TP, I wouldn't be here with you guys, man. But uh, much love, respect to you guys, and uh, I'll be touching base with you guys next week. And Chandler, we'll do it again on Thursday. Uh, but I'm going to let like you guys uh, wrap this up so I can get to the family, man. But I appreciate you guys. Uh, I appreciate you guys, man. Peace. George, man. Good holiday. Yeah, man. Happy holidays, man. Um, Chandler, I'm watching the Jets. They stink. Uh, yeah, that's because Zach Wilson's the quarterback. Zach, Zach Wilson's the quarterback. Yeah, he's absolutely terrible. Um, you can't yes. do anything with that guy. You can't do anything no, with that guy. No, literally – Looks like trash. Um, it, it's trash. And and now I'm going to blame some of this on the offense coordinator because you know this kid is limited. Basically, what you have to do with him is what you would do with a, a mobile quarterback that's not used to reading uh, defenses. You give him half field reads. That's it. Yeah. Right. They they're asking this kid to drop back and read the full field. He can't read the full field yet. He can't. And it's not that hard, dude. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, you got a Mr. Irrelevant that can figure it out. And this guy's okay, got talent on offense and can't figure it out. Brock Purdy was a four-year starter, and Brock Purdy mm-hmm. had to the entire field. All they did was Zach Wilson and BYU was roll him out, and he went to his first or second read. That was it. This kid is limited, yeah. which is why he never should have been drafted, because – it's going to take him – here's the thing with Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson had been drafted by a team that didn't need him to start from day one, even as a first-round pick, he would be much further along than he is. Oh, yeah. But he came to an off a team that needed him to be great right away, and he's not ready. He's not ready. Nope. Nope. Plus the fact that he's an arrogant SOB who thinks mm-hmm. he's who's smarter than everybody. Cause, you know, so, listen, the Jets deserve everything they got because Joe Douglas, and I said it when he drafted him, people killed me. I said Joe Douglas is a terrible general manager because you drafted yep. Zach Wilson instead of Fields. But whatever. Yep. Um, I, I did want to get into the Nets because 
it's funny how everybody who was killing the Nets has nothing to say now. Yep. I haven't heard a word, okay, about how dysfunctional the organization is and how the organization is trash because suddenly mm-hmm. you got an adult that people are listening to, Jacques Vaughn, which is shocking yep. to me, but you know what? You give a guy a second chance, and hopefully they learn from the first time they got fired, and he did, right? Mm-hmm. You got a coach that that, that team respects, and that yep. was just about basketball. Now, at some point, Kyrie is going to Kyrie. We all know this. We all know this. Yep. Um, yep. The hope is that he does it um, during the offseason. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you yeah, know, good luck with that. Or, yeah, you know, or at the end of a news cycle when there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on, oh, yeah, and Guy Reed says something stupid. Eh. But right now, can you tell me a team that's playing better than the Nets? The Knicks. The Knicks, baby. Go, okay. New York, go, New York, go. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, listen. And Listen, you're, you're right. absolutely right. You're, you're right, though, dude. Um, it's only about basketball with this team right now. Um, I said that on paper this team was talented enough to get to the finals. Everybody scoffed at me, and I was looking at the talent. I wasn't looking at the distractions of, you know, Ben Simmons, of Kyrie Irving, and of Kevin Durant at sometimes when he gets on his Twitter fingers, you know, gets his Twitter fingers going. Um they had enough talent to get it done. If they just locked in on defense, they would be all right. Jock Vaughn has mm-hmm. his team playing good basketball, has been playing, you know, a little bit better on the defensive end. It's about effort. It's about assignments. And it's about, you know, locking in. And, you know, Steve Nash wasn't able to get these guys to do it. Jock Vaughn can. Um, the best thing that they did was not bring in um, the coach from Boston because I think that would have been another distraction that they didn't need. I think going right. with Jacques Vaughn, Jacques Vaughn is respected enough by those players that he can get them going and get them, you know, playing good basketball. And now you look up, they're what, the four, five, four seed or something like that? Um, they should be playing on Christmas. Yeah. They should be playing on Christmas Day. It's a shame that they're not. And, um, you know, this is, this, is, this is a team that you bet you, they can make a run. They can because they got scores. They got guys that can do it. And if Ben Simmons, you know, is is more available, this is a good team. Yeah, you know, in a, in a way, Kyrie did them a favor because by him mm-hmm. being him, they're not going to be on a lot of games now. Like they should have been a good, but you know, there's no way in hell you could put them on a Christmas Day game, right? Right. There's no way you mm-hmm. can put them on any of the primetime games because then you got to talk about Kyrie and they don't want to talk about that anymore. Right? So right. basically, right. they're toiling in obscurity, which mm-hmm. is really good because the best players on that team, all they want to do is put their head down and play. They don't want mm-hmm. to be celebrated. They don't want to go out and, and be Broadway stars. They just want to play ball. Right. They just want to ball. Now, that's the look of, of, of KD, and I've made it. KD is not a leader. He's not a guy who's going to step up and and, and, and have the tough conversation and, and do the thing that's uncomfortable. It's not who he is. He's a guy who KT's personality is that of a sixth man, but he has the talent 
um, a generational player. So he has the mentality of a guy at the end of the bench who just wants to keep his head down, one spell guy, you know, the, the dude who had to fight to get on the roster. He has mm-hmm. that mentality with the talent of a generational superstar. It's crazy. Right. It's crazy. Um, but that's who he is. So, okay, if you accept that, this is why they're being successful now because anybody talking about them. Mm-hmm. They talking about everybody but the Nets. Right. Everybody but. And as far as the Knicks go, listen, the Knicks can beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. They're not going to mm-hmm. beat anybody else. If you are content as a Knicks fan to be able to beat a play-in team and then get defeated in the second round, then congratulations, that's what you have. But that's this team is not – that's what they are. This team is not a championship-contending team. Nope. This is a team that's good enough to, to pacify Knicks fans, to keep them coming and filling them, filling the, the Dolan family coffers. It's good enough to make Knicks fans think they can be better, even though they're not. Mm-hmm. Right. This has been a bait and switch my entire life as a Knicks fan. For 50 years, <laughs> yeah. this has been the bait and switch of the Knicks. This is why I'm not overly like excited about it because – at the end of the day, your best player is Jalen Brunson. And that's not a bad thing, right? No. I go back to the Nick teams of Michael Ray Richardson and Ray Williams. Those teams were never going to win mm-hmm. championships. They were good enough to make the playoffs. They were good mm-hmm. enough to win a round in the playoffs. That was about as far as they got, right? right. But we celebrate those Nick teams. We, we, man, we hold a man, remember Sugar Ray? Remember Ray Ray? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, them teams were dope. They really Those were. Are they teams. were average. Exactly. Those are our Knicks, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is, Chandler, too? And it, it's that double-edged sword, right? Because I'm a Knicks fan. I love to see my team win. I love watching them, um, you know, when the garden's rocking and all that. But then I hate the fact that Dolan profits off of it. You know what I mean? Because he drives yeah. me crazy. I, I can't stand that guy. So it's that double-edged sword. The Knicks are, are, are just good enough to get into the playoffs, maybe be a 6 and then be dumb enough to make that deal to trade for Zach Levine. That's that's the Knicks in, in, a, exactly. in, a, in a nutshell. That's them in a yep. nutshell, right? They'll be dumb enough to, to make a deal for Levine. We'll love it because, oh, it's a superstar that we desperately needed, blah, 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 and then he comes <laughs> here and then it's a disaster. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, listen – I don't mind Jalen Brunson being our best player on this team right now because I'd rather the ball be in his hand than Julius Randle because Julius Randle drives me crazy. Jalen Brunson's IQ is off the charts compared to these guys. He's a smart basketball player and knows how to get his. He's starting to, to, um, you know, distribute the ball a little bit better. He needs to take care of the ball. I think the turnovers are being a little bit of a problem. But, um, you know, he kind of relaxes um, uh, Barrett a little bit. Uh, Grimes and, and McBride, the best thing that Thibodeau did was make them in the put them in the rotation because those kids defend. And that's what Evan Fournier and to an extent um, Rose, but more, mostly um, Reddish, weren't doing. They weren't defending. Grimes defended. Well, Reddish was, Reddish McBride, was playing defense. Not, not consistently enough, though. I think there was times okay. like he would get lost. He would get, you know, you know, like Clyde say, see the ball, see the man. He would get, he would get lost on back picks and back screens and stuff like that. And so, but, but, he, but to your, he, you know, 
he's usable, though. The thing is, and this is where I got a problem. Don't bury him, okay? okay? Use him uh-huh. efficiently. Don't bury him. Right. But the kids, you're not gonna use, the kids defend. Yeah. The kids play better. Mm-hmm. I, I like no, no, I'm not saying, I, I I'm thought not saying that he played well over. last year. That, you know, what do you say, Tim? I'm not saying he should be playing over them. What I'm saying is he should still be getting some minutes. Right. Instead yeah. of zero. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, but I, I, I love McBride. I love watching Grimes play. Those kids defend. And I think McBride, it comes in, he, everybody was thinking he was a scorer. I like the fact that he's coming in. And he's getting, he's making his bones on the defensive end. I do like that. But the Knicks are a player away. They do need a player. Um, I would they love to coach. see Randall out of here. We, we they need a coach. They need a coach. They need a coach who can open up the offensive. See, Thibodeau's my biggest issue with Tom Thibodeau is the fact that he's he's stubborn to a fault. Is he refuses mm-hmm. to acknowledge that his players are better than he wants to give them credit for being. Right, <laughs> and so well, no, we we oh, we can only win this way. No, nah, that's not true, bro. You can win another right. way. You just don't want to. Okay, no, you don't want to. If I put it like this, if the Knicks had Jock Vaughn as their coach, mm-hmm. I think they would be more successful than they are now. They had Tyrone Lewis as coach; they'd be more and more successful. <laughs> yeah, um, Tyrone Lewis coaches ass off. You know what I mean? I would, um, look at what he did more with less. Look, he got that team into the – he had that team in the playoffs without their two best players. You yeah. know what I mean? Mike so, Woodson. I think Mike Woodson back right now. I would, too. I would, too. I wish he would never have left. Um, th- thanks, Phil Jackson. Thanks. Um, but, no, listen, I like what I see from, from them right now. It, it's fool's gold, of course, but um, I'll take what I can get. Listen. I, I listen. I, I got more to be thankful for at this point of the year. UConn's the number two team in basketball. They're they're super talented. I love what I see from UConn. So um, I, I don't have to watch the Knicks, but it's nice to see the Knicks get on the winning streak. And then my UConn team went from unranked to number two in the country. I, so it's like it's like uh, St. John's is eleven and two. St. John's is eleven and two. Just okay. They're eleven and two. Who? Who? St. John's is eleven and two. They not they not on UConn's level. Don't put don't do that. Don't do that. Listen, listen. When we wind up playing them, by the time we play them, and you know, no matter, I don't care. St. John's had the worst squad in the world. They play UConn. That game always goes down to the wire. Ain't no blowouts in that game. <laughs> no, you, that's, that's Big East basketball. That's Big East basketball. Georgetown put up a fight, and and yeah, pretty good. We don't, we, I put like this, St. John's is making the NCAA tournament this year. They're making they're the tournament. Better. Now, I'm not they're saying better. that we're we going far. They, they got some talent this year. They, they better make it this year. But, like, listen, yeah. UConn, UConn is deep. UConn 1 through 10. Their bench is as good as their starting lineup. I love uh, Joey California coming off the bench shooting threes. Um, you know, yeah. Jackson looks really good. Um, Sagago, I always say his name. No, he's shooting the ball a little bit. But listen, UConn's got it, and Danny Hurley better do something with this team, or we're gonna have a problem because there's no excuses this year. And St. John, they, they got a, they got a squad. No excuses. Get into the tournament. Let's go. Yeah, they did men, but Danny Hurley is going to find a way to screw it up. You know that. 
He better not. He better not. Listen. Oh, God. Listen. It is what it is with the, with the Hurley family. Outside of the dad, the son's underperform as coaches. It is what it is. Uh, you know what? Uh, <laughs> don't do that. Because I had my whole – come on, man. I, I was having a good day. Come on. No, man. you know what? I see UConn. UConn's making the Elite Eight at a minimum. Now, at that point, yeah, it's a crapshoot. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So from, from Elite Eight on, it's a crapshoot depending on what happens in other brackets. But mm-hmm. if they make the Elite Eight – that's a hell of a successful season. Okay. You know, compared to okay. where they were. You know what I'm Because, you know, it's about, if you look at looking at the, the progression, that's a hell of a, mm-hmm. uh, of a successful season compared to where they were. Because now, right. now you can legitimately talk about national championship. Right. So. I mean, I, I, um, think, I, don't, I don't see a lot of teams that can hang with them for, for 40 minutes. Um, in my, I don't know about Purdue. Uh, yeah, the people on Michigan State always start so slow, and then that damn team is always there at the end. Um, you can't yeah. look at Michigan State until after um, until January. You can't you only watch right. the team until January. Right. <laughs> only watch them exactly. So Villanova always worries me. Villanova is just one of those teams that, even though they don't have the, the head man uh, Jay Wright, I mean. You know they still, you know they they still they still worry me. But listen, I I like what I see. Um, it's gonna be fun, man. I listen. I I I'm a huge UConn fan. You know me, so um, I've been a UConn fan uh, since Donnell Marshall. That's my early recollection of UConn basketball. Donnie and Donnie Marshall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the that's the I'm that old. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, listen, some good teams out there. Kansas looks pretty good. Um, yeah. Mississippi State, we'll see. I, you know, you know, they. I think they got beat, but um, Zona looks pretty good. So, listen, it's gonna be fun, man. It, it's it's gonna be fun. Yeah. I, 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 I love I love tournament time, but I think yeah. Juwan Howard needs to coach another another team. You think so? He is too invested at Michigan. He's too invested. He's too invested um, because he's losing his freaking mind. And he's getting a reputation because people keep bringing up what happened. So when he gets upset now, they keep bringing that up. I honestly believe that he needs to coach another college, one that he can be invested in, but that is not pulling at his heartstrings because it's killing him when they lose. He can see his face. He's dying with every loss. Yeah. Bruh. Right. I need you to relax. I need you to relax. <laughs> right. I need you to breathe. Um, yeah, breathe. But I think breathe, he's a really good breathe. coach. Yeah, but he's a really good coach, but I think he's, he is, unfortunately to me, I don't think he's going to be as successful at Michigan because of him. I think he's, yeah. the, he's the roadblock because he's so invested and he wants it so bad. Sometimes you can want something so bad that you are the reason you don't get it. Right. You know? Um, so. It was a tough loss against um, North Carolina. I mean, it was a good yeah, game. It was a good tight game. Like, he, he fight, he fight everybody. He ready to fight his own team. Dude, I need you to calm down. <laughs> yeah. Now, listen, yeah. I, 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 hope, I hope it works out because he is Michigan royalty. I mean, just the fact that he can get the Fab Five back um, 
back back into to Michigan. You know, you know, it's good to see C. Webb back there. Um, you know, bringing back that legacy from from Michigan back into to Ann Arbor. And, um, I, I, I from that perspective, I hope he wins. But you know, it, it it's going to be it's tough. It's tough. But you yeah. know, listen, seven and four. We yeah. got you. Got thirty seconds. Go ahead and give me a closeout. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I, I finally got in. It's good to hear your voice. Shout out to Mike. Shout out to TP and all the chefs. Get to phiapparel.com. Uh, co. I mean, uh, our sponsors of the show. I'll uh, get to the website. Do all that good stuff. Uh, Taylor, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, man. Uh, and be blessed, brother. All right, you two go have fun with the kids, man, and don't eat well. Eat a whole lot over the holidays, and thanks, everybody, for listening. And we are going to take y'all out with the outro. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs.